Filmmaker Commentary, episode 147. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with... Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Monster Squad, 1987, directed by Fred Decker, written by Shane Black and Fred Decker. What do we have for a budget and box office for Monster Squad? So for Monster Squad, on a $12 million budget, it had a whopping $3.8 million Worldwide gross at the box office. Yeah, because I didn't expect that. Neither did I. That's a nail. That is a crash and burn. Wow. Did uh, they get any awards? So Monster Squad did get nominated for four awards, and it had three wins. One not coming until 2008 at the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films for Best DVD Classic Film Release. And then also it won for the Brussels International Festival of Fantasy Film, also in, in 1988, for the, uh, the Silver Raven Award. And then also in 88, the Young Artist Awards for Outstanding Young Actors slash Actresses Ensemble in Television or Motion Picture. Oh, okay. Well, uh, what was like the sentiment at the time? Where like what were some of the people thinking about this film? And <laughs> not too much okay. <laughs> that first year because not many people saw it. the The sentiment was that because when they saw the trailer, parents thought it was too scary for their kids to see, right. so they didn't take them. And the kids, yeah, they did. They didn't get taken to right. to see. So it was they they, they kind of canceled each other out the the marketing counseled mm-hmm. out both audiences the kids thought it was the to i don't know to to whatever but uh so yeah no, no nobody ended up really seeing it so the parents thought it was too scary for kids and then the adults thought it was for kids yeah wow so wow so yeah therefore just bad bad marketing bad bad uh positioning i didn't even check the trailer out to kind of see what the trailer looked like at the time i did i checked it out i was like I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it would be okay. Yeah. I guess at the time, it, uh, it, it you could see some of the the humor elements within it mixed with the the horror, which is kind of what it's a blend of. Right. Again, I feel like it's kind of like you know Goonies meets horror. So. Goonies meets the boys was the Lost Boys. Ooh. But they were in high school. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like in the vein of Ghostbusters, where yeah. you've got the the comedy and the horror. Kind of blended together. Yeah. Yeah. But uh didn't uh didn't quite get that that word of mouth to keep it going, but it, it did find its audience in the uh the home in the home. Yeah. Home home release. Home entertainment. It would be cool to see what those of course we always talk about that, just what those numbers are because I mean to this day, I mean this is you know got the you got it on D V D, got it on Blu ray, it's streaming, like it's making money. So This is one of those films that once I saw it as a kid, I, I instantly loved it. Yeah. And then years later, when I would see it pop up, like, oh man, Monster Squad! It's one of those things that instantly gives me the nostalgia. Oh, Monster Squad! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just good vibes every time I, when I would think about it. 
Good stuff. But before we talk further about Monster Squad, let's talk about TV news and movies watched. What you got in the news, sir? So in the news, we start a little bit on a on a a, a dour note. Um, want to talk about the the passing of the founder of Deadline, mm-hmm. uh, who unfortunately has passed away. I'm trying to pull up the article. It's all right. We can go to another news if we don't have it. It was there, but there's a lot more has come in since since then, and it's oh, like, I see, like way way down the feed. All right, so uh, I'll come back to that in a moment. But at the box office, uh, the film Smile is still uh, taking a bite out of the box office, <laughs> according <laughs> to the Hollywood Reporter, uh, raking in around seventeen point six mil, and unfortunately. Amsterdam bombs and they say la la the crocodile limps Amsterdam yeah that's a, a new film that has uh, Margot Robbie in it it has Christian I think Christian Bale yeah Christian Bale and also uh, David um, Michael Washington hmm. it's kind of a it's like set maybe in the 30s or so it's like, oh um, I thought there was a I didn't know that was being dropped on in 30s Hmm. Yep, it's a David O. Russell film. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a Netflix direct film. Or maybe I just got it mixed up. You know, it's a, it is. It's a period piece. Yeah, period piece. I, I don't think I've seen the trailer. I, I'd seen the trailer. I was like, oh, okay, this looks like, you know, again, it looks like a, a David O. Russell thing. It looks, it looks <laughs> like it would be fun. I did, mm-hmm. I did want to check it out. Come on. Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Um, uh, as we're talking about box office, as you look for that, um, uh, looks like Woman King made its money back. It's the right title, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Woman King uh, basically made its budget back, and I think it's a little bit over. It was a $50, $50 million budget, and it's currently around like 60-something. Um, and so like two days ago as of this recording, um, yeah, made his money back. So, you know, that's. A relief depends on like your perspective on it. Gina Bylewood, who's the director, you know, was kind of basically saying that she saw no other choice but to be successful with this film just because um, having a woman action film like and just action films with, with, you know, black actors, it just doesn't happen. And if you have, you know, these failures at the box office, then you kind of don't get your your time at bat. Um, On the flip side, um, I don't know if y'all know out there that with this film, there was like some controversy um, just kind of with the history of those warriors. Um, you know, they were, they were kind of known for, which I didn't know until, you know, this movie came out and people started talking about it was that these warriors, which is kind of loosely based on the, the black Panther uh, warriors. The Dora Milaje. Yeah. So when you see them, uh, you know, black Panther, Oh my God, where did this come from? Ball heads and the kicking butt and stuff like that. So they're loosely based on the, on this tribe out of Africa and uh, so you kind of think of it from an inspirational standpoint. Like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. You know, but on, upon further research um, that, you know, they were responsible for, like, basically crimes against humanity, you know, uh, finding slaves and selling them to their European counterparts. And uh, it's a very, very tragic story to this day. And um, Lupita Nyong'o, who 
who they actually tapped to kind of be in the film. She had did a documentary on it in 2019 and kind of discovered, you know, a lot of this stuff because, you know, she didn't, some of the history she didn't know about, but, you know, got to hear firsthand accounts from the descendants and, you know, she was crying on documentary and she actually turned down the role for, for moral reasons. So it's one of those movies that are at the box office. It's kind of like got, you know, the audience kind of like, Oh, I, I don't know. Kind of like a torn audience there because you wanted to win, but then you don't want it to win for the wrong reasons. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's one of those things when you look at any kind of uh, pick that's biographical in nature. The with any real living person, like everybody has darkness or, or skeletons, and even right. in, in, and then in, in the portrayal of, it's always a question of how much how much of that do you do you show whether it's right. You know, whether it's Elvis or Michael Jackson or Martin Luther King, it's like, okay, how much of the of the the, the not so known or popular or, or less moral things are you gonna show in relation that to that person's legacy? Right. Um Yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough call. Um That's and, interesting though. I, I did I didn't know that the latter part. Yeah. About the influence. I d I didn't know anything about the woman king as it was, but I didn't know about the influence or uh, potential inspiration for the Dora Milaje yeah. as as warriors, um, based upon uh, that that tribe. What was the name of that tribe again? Uh, uh, Jolie. Yeah, Jolie. Yeah. Oh, Hopefully, I'm saying that name right. Very fascinating. Uh, so I did find that other article uh, again, according to Deadline itself. Unfortunately, the there was the passing of the founder Nikki Fink, uh, who uh, was again the founder of Deadline. Uh, she was 68. Still, that's pretty young. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she found a deadline back in 2006 and was considered kind of a disruptor within the industry. Nice. Uh, and um, yeah, so Shake just re- respect for uh, what she was able to put together in deadline. It's a, a solid, consistent source of of industry reporting. Absolutely. And journalism. So rest in peace. One, Nikki Fink and may a deadline can continue on. Indeed. So what have you been watching, Reginald? Dude, there's a, I got a couple of trailers. Um, there's a trailer that popped up. It's called, Is That Black Enough For You? Oh. <laughs> um, and it's our brother Elvis Mitchell. It was a commentary, well-known commentator on film, film critic, well-known film critic. It's a brother that has long, like, uh, gray uh, locks. Um, he's He's been contributing to film for years and years and years. Very deep database, knowledge base of just almost all films. Oh yeah. Um, but I did, but I was like, man, I, I remember listening to him talk to uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne and just kind of seeing how they were vibing and kind of going back through old knowledge and old films and even hanging, he's, you know, Tarantino, the things that Tarantino throws out, most people can't catch, you know, Elvis Mitchell's like catching all that. And so uh, I was like, man, it'd be cool if he was to make a film one day, some kind of way. And sure enough, you know, he has a film that's coming out on Netflix, I think in a few weeks. Uh, I don't have the exact date, but it's called, is that black enough for you? Which is kind of like a deep dive into the history of uh, black actors, black directors in film. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I, l- I love seeing those. It's like, um, there was that one that, that was on Netflix a couple of years back that they got to have us. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that one with Barry Jenkins yeah. and David Duvernay. That was a good one. I thought that would be like a, a docu-series. I thought there'd be more, mm-hmm. more episodes of that. Yeah. I was, I was anticipating more of that. Yeah. Maybe something happened, but no, yeah. Elvis, man, he's, he definitely knows his stuff. I enjoy yeah. when I, I would hear him on, on NPR, mm-hmm. uh, 
Yeah, this knowledge is absolutely on point. Right. And, and just his his insights on things he watches, like, well, that reminds me of, boom. And he's like, oh, this guy's taking it deep. I appreciate that. Uh, man, I've been taking in a couple of things. Uh, I took in on uh, Disney Plus. They had a special called Werewolf by Night. Uh-oh. Yeah, Werewolf <laughs> by Night. It's <laughs> on Disney. On Disney. Okay. It's, it's, it's their darkest... No, let me take it back. Logan is the darkest thing on on okay. Disney Plus, but as far as original MCU content, okay, this is the darkest. It's about forty forty five minutes long, mm-hmm. but it dives into the kind of more monstrous uh, creatures of the night kind of element of of Marvel that's existed in the comic books for for years. Werewolf by Night has been a, Werewolf by Night has been around since the since the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, but it's all the but the the special is all in black and white. Okay, and directed by Michael Giacchino, who's mainly known for his his scores and his music, and of course he did score, but he also directed it. Ah, pretty cool. That's pretty, pretty cool. cool. I, I would encourage you to give it a good look. I'd love to to hear your your insights. Yeah, give it a go. It's October, so it, it's time. Yeah, there's some pretty. Some, I thought there were some pretty cool reveals in it as well that I I was not expecting. I was like, okay, all right. Anyway, so yeah, Werewolf by Night. I had a trailer. Um, another trailer. Um, what's our guy? In Stranger Things, the main love interest, the cop, um, big guy. I can't think of his name, the actor. Uh, That's a, a David Harbour. David Harbour? Yeah, David oh, Harbour. Okay, he's he's, star, he's Santa Claus in a movie called Violent Night, which is basically kind of like a monster in the house movie where he's kind of the monster, but he's also... You know, anti hero. Exactly. And it, I mean, you see Santa Claus kick butt, basically. And he's giving it to all the bad guys or the the people on his naughty list. Yeah. St. Nick throwing hands. Yeah. That <laughs> is a very interesting twist on on, on the genre. So uh, it looks like a little fun uh, holiday movie for adults. It's like a badass Santa. Yeah. Yeah. Not just bad Santa. <laughs> badass Santa. Nice. I just watched on Netflix. I'm trying to take a little more, more comedy, keep things light. Keep it light. Good old Hassan Minaj is a newest special on Netflix. The King's Jester. Okay. Jester. Uh-huh. Jester. 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 I feel like I'm not saying that right. It sounds 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 funny saying it right now. The court jester. Mm. Jester. Anyway. Uh <laughs> funny so words. took that in. Again, I always enjoy his comedy because yeah. it's, it's always very smart, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think he's great. And he's, he's, and he's you know always he keeps it you know personal stuff that's going on, some cool revealing stuff that was going on with his life. He talks a little bit about his special that he had, uh, you know, Patriot Act and, uh-huh. and kind of some things that went down oh. with that show. Okay, but yeah, if you're into comedy, check out Hassan on Netflix, The King's Gesture. Uh, did you last week we had talked about? Um, Last week was the Rush Hour episode, and we talked, you discovered Atlanta. You know, I said, hey, Atlanta is streaming. Did you get a chance to watch Atlanta? I did. I, ca- mm-hmm. I got caught up on it. Uh, yeah, it's still, Atlanta's still amazing. It is. Uh, watched up to the most recent episode. Ooh, with, Mr. Uh, Chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Me, okay, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Fast latest. forward three to five minutes yeah. as we talk about Atlanta's most recent episode. So, Donald Glover. Genius. Who, Yes, yes, absolute genius. Not only as a as a, a director, but as an actor. When he when he puts on <laughs> when he puts on the prosthetics, and Nick when he dives into these characters, yes, 
his Mr. Chocolate, who is clearly a, a parody of, of Tyler Perry. Yeah. It, like when I first, the episode opens up and Van and, the, and her daughter is in the car and they're waiting. I say, this is, looks like Tyler Perry Studios, you know, like, <laughs> so this is Tyler Perry Studios and they pull it up and it's like, like a, a satire of everything Tyler Perry has made. Yeah. I was like, oh, this, Tyler Perry had to be involved with this because there, there's no way. The, the way they, and by, by the end, the way they nail it, when she says, you know, that she doesn't really like like the work or whatever, and when, yeah. when she says that, I can't relate to it, he's like, oh, so you're this, you're this, Calls her you're out. this, you're this. Yeah, you can't relate. I'm like, <laughs> wow, she just, he just kind of called, called you out and, and read, read your mail in front of you. Yes. And then when she, she's trying to get her daughter back, because all of a sudden she's going from like, the so, mom, the mom is initially there to film just to be a day player for yep. a show. Yeah. And the daughter ends up interrupting a scene by, by telling one of the actors to, to shut up yeah. for being mean. And then Dr. Or Mr. Chocolate comes in <laughs> over the intercom. Cause initially you never see him. He's just the voice of the intercom. Yeah. He's like controlling everybody. Nobody put, sees him, Put the child in the scene <laughs> and like, nobody's ever seen him. They just know that he, he just is kind of always just, watching. He's always watching. He's everywhere. And all of a sudden her daughter goes from that scene to, you know, she. You know, Van looks away, and all of a sudden, her daughter's gone. In Where's another movie, another movie with a mom eating a crack sandwich. <laughs> what is happening? Until the point that Van can't find her. Yeah, and yeah, the, the just escalates with that drama. Her trying to literally track down her daughter. Yeah, um, and then eventually she she sees the 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 building where Mister Chocolate is at, and she storms it and gets the help from a a crazy grandmother yeah. who. <laughs> brought a pistol on who campus. Brought a pistol. So you were with a, 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 an angry black grandmother who packs a pistol. Yeah, man, it's, it's great because it's like a satire. It's kind of like a Willy Wonka satire. It's got, it, it's got everything. He's like in the castle by himself, doing all of these crazy things. And but because he's isolated, he's become crazy. And he does like he doesn't really know what's what's happening. He's like it, it runs itself. Yeah. And then when she, when Van gets <laughs> mad and he asks her if she wants some grits, right? Did he offer grits? That's yeah. What he offer you want some grits? Some grits. And then when she, she like hits him with the pan with it and he's like, I built up an immunity. <laughs> but then at the end when she leaves, he's like, it's really ready. I need you to, need you to wipe this off. Call an ambulance. <laughs> Could you please hurry? It's really ready. I was like, oh, what is going on? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It was, it was, Quite wonderful. The the D'Angelo episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. This episode, the Mr. Chocolate episode reminded me of, I can't remember what season was the one when it was kind of like talking about the Michael Jackson whole situation. Yeah. This is what it reminded me of. Exactly. Yeah, when Donald Glover goes in deep into these characters, that's just, yeah. but it's so smart. Again, like they, that, that Afro surrealism. Yeah. If you look at like when she first, when Van first get, gets into the studios and you start seeing like all their films that they've made, there's this one key artist says, ain't crazy. And this woman with no hair, you know, short hair, she's like, ain't crazy. And then part two, still, still ain't, ain't crazy. crazy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. And it's crazy because like the, the African-American community, especially filmmakers uh, and film lovers that go watch movies, talk about, you know, the films of Tyler Perry. Yeah. You know, you might have one you like, you might not, but we do talk about it. Yeah, and you know we just—it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you know. And then like the show, like the pilots for different shows that are being done. And, oh yeah, and then the, the relationships and excuse me, it's it's excellent. Atlanta, it is. I don't know how they're going to close this out. Lord, 
Yeah. I, good question. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, uh, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Nothing like it. It'll be, it'll be amazing to see how it influences other future filmmakers and what comes, what comes out of it or after it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, it'd be cool to see, you know, stuff like this done, but like for other cities. Yeah. You know, uh, Agreed. Uh, one of the last things um, I watched the She-Hulk episode eight. Ah, She-Hulk, <laughs> and um, this one I was ah, I actually enjoyed this one. I enjoyed some of the other ones, some not so much, but there was some more. Had finally had some action. Come on, that's what I, that's what I've heard uh, people say. Like they they wanted that action. Yeah, She-Hulk's been a been a different kind of build where you do have that. You've had the dichotomy of the, of the focusing on. Uh, on the main actress, yeah. uh, it's just Jennifer Walters. There we go. Uh, yeah, uh, Jen, and then you know she'll get some some play. But this one, yeah. Spoiler alert for the fast forward episode. some more if you don't want this yeah. to be spoiled. Spoiler alert for She Hulk. But this one, yeah, Absolutely. she actually gets into it. And of course, we have the wonderful Charlie Cox returning as Matt Murdock. Yeah, aka Daredevil. Yeah, kind of. It's interesting when. Uh, when we have these co-stars or somebody that's co-starring for for an episode, how it kind of elevates everything for for a little while and changes it changes uh, the dynamics quite a bit. And so, just the juxtaposition of how she would approach a battle and how Daredevil, how he would approach a battle, is it's interesting and for them to kind of jab each other about it. What you're watching has been done in the comic books for years. It's yes. called the team up, ah. the classic team up. Yeah, literally, like there were comics that are. That were called Marvel Team Up, mm-hmm. where you'd have different different characters you normally wouldn't see together. All of a sudden, for whatever strange reason, yeah. they're literally put in a situation. They always have a misunderstanding and fight first, yeah, and then they team up and take on the bad guys. Interesting. Cla- it's like it's classic. classic that's that is the classic formula. Wow. We meet up. Hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Are you the are you the the nuisance causing all this? Yeah. No, you're the nuisance. Let's fight. Bam, boom, boom. Oh wait, you're not. Oh, there's the bad guy. Let's team up. Okay. Boom, get him. It was it was interesting because like uh She Hawk discovering Daredevil for the first time as he's doing his thing and she throws a car at him. Like I said, this ain't gonna end well. You know, if they keep going, he's done for. Yeah. And she just does the She Hawk clap. You Sonic, know? The, the thunderclap. Thunderclap does that. I was like, ooh, it's a, it's a rap now. When she did that, I was like, oh, his ears. Cause I yeah. know he has that superhuman hearing. Yeah. Exactly. And he even he even he even jokes about it. He goes, Well, I have really good hearing. Well, I used to. <laughs> like he has oh, the way they play Daredevil in this, because in that in the Netflix series, he's very dark. Yeah. It's very dark. Absolutely. He has a couple of little lines here and there, but in this one, Not so he's much. slightly turned up where he has his his humor. Yeah. Is is the writing on this one was I thought was brilliant because he's he's nailing these one liners. I'm like I I like this slightly turned up, more yeah. satirical version of Daredevil. And it I seems like, like it, tra- it it trend his character transitioned well into this universe That's from right. Netflix to Marvel. Yes, he, this guy who knows the character, but he gets to be much lighter now. And it's the writing. I mean, I love the writing in She Hulk, just the the comedy yeah. as a whole. So yeah, but they. They nailed Daredevil. I wonder if he had, you know, if he helped with some of the lines of delivery, but it just. It's like, we'll keep it. Yeah. It just, it worked, man. It just worked. And then, yeah, I, I, I like some of the lawyer talk, like with the, the main <laughs> character, the, the guy who was playing the frog guy. He, he's, again, he's a character in the comics. He's uh frog man in the, yeah. in, in the comics. Ridiculous. He's, yeah. Ridiculous. He's ridiculous in the comics too. Like, okay. Uh, he's, yeah. 
But, uh, you know, and then again, just using when, when, you know, when Matt Murdock comes into the courtroom, he's like, what kind of fuel did you use in those, in those boots? Right. Uh -huh. like, oh, I used jet fuel. And the, the guy who made him was like, oh, like the instructions say not to. He's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> yeah, you can't help with the guy, the rich kid can't help himself, you know, boasting about every single thing. The lily, the, the lily pad. Yeah. It's like, oh man, this guy is, this guy is, uh, dumb. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, I, I really enjoy the episode and I, I enjoy during the credits, like just the drawings at the end, how they incorporate stuff from the episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Daredevil doing the walk of shame as he's leaving yeah. uh, Jess's apartment. But then at the at the end, like it it's funny because I know there are probably people who are watching this show mm -hmm. going in and saying, Oh, you know, she hulk this is that, she's you know, they're trying to make her as strong as the Hulk, this and that. And that's the exact group that's like in the show, like targeting oh, her. The incels. I like to call them the incels. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> those this guys dude, that need to get a girlfriend. Yeah. This is the show that's like literally anticipating the trolls and trolling the trolls like within the show. Like that's meta. That's pretty smart. Yeah. Pretty smart. And yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, how the season ends. Dang. How many more episodes, do you know, this should be the last episode Ooh. coming up this Thursday. Okay. I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah. And I always watch this with the family. It's always a good time. Nice, nice. Anything else? Uh, super quick. Um, again, I watched a 007, The Sound of 007, a documentary on the music from James Bond. I watched the first James Bond, Dr. No. It was meh, okay. <laughs> um, I watched the latest season of Cobra Kai. Don't tell me anything about it. I will not say. Because I've been watching it with the family, so we're catching up. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Are you guys... Uh, we're still in season one, like episode five. Season one, episode five? Yeah. Oh, I ain't saying a damn thing. <laughs> Thank you. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome uh, Abbott Elementary that show is still hilarious the Laker Dynasty still going I think it's probably has one episode left The Patient also on Hulu still good Blackish and also I started Grownish as well which okay. has been actually pretty pretty good also I got to the point where spoiler for Blackish where the, 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 the oldest daughter had left for college so yeah. I started watching some of them so I'm like damn this is this is pretty Grown. you know yeah. it, it takes it takes a nice a nice turn but uh but that, that actress is she's a she does a good job and she's she gets better her acting is getting better and better with uh the lot these new episodes so, yeah. okay uh well let's jump back into the show Thank you to, for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about The Monster Squad, 1987, directed by Fred Decker. And let's jump into the synopsis. Count Dracula has until midnight to retrieve an ancient amulet that will give him final control over the delicate balance between good and evil in the world. To help him, the creepy Count calls on some old friends, the Wolfman, the Gillman, Mummy, and Freaky Frankenstein. As the ghoulish group gets closer to the amulet, it's up to the Monster Squad, headquartered in the local treehouse, to pull its questionable resources and stop the monster mayhem. The Monster Squad. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. spoilers. You've been forewarned. How did you watch this film when it dropped in 1987? I watched it after 1987, probably around maybe 89, yeah. maybe 90 even, yeah. on good old HBO. And it quickly became one of my favorite, favorite shows. As I said many a time as a kid, I used to love reading books on the original Universal Monsters. And to see a film that had all of them in it, yeah. 
I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah. I, I loved Monster Squad as a kid. How about you, Reginald? Man, I didn't go to the theaters or anything to watch it, but just like you, like it was on HBO, it was on some cable show. It would just keep showing over and over again. Um, but Goonies was ingrained deep into my brain when this came around. So I, I got, you know, Goonies, my top 80s films, you know, with a group of kids on an adventure. Um, but I do remember certain scenes from from this movie. So uh-huh. Cable Box and, uh, you know, it, it was like a kind of like a fun time. But the vibe, I even caught the vibe back then. It was it was different. It, it didn't come off really too scary, mm-hmm. you know, to me. Um, but, yeah, I, I do remember it was Cable watching on the cable box over and over again. I remember the Nard scene and all the other stuff. So it was like certain things, but I couldn't remember everything that happened in the film. Like I did the Goonies. This is one of those films because, because it was coming on HBO. And again, this is back in the day, boys and girls, when there was no on demand, when it came on HBO, that meant it was like live TV. And if you didn't know when it was coming on, you just kind of came upon it. Now yeah. I remember I would, I would just catch it like in the middle. Yeah. So I didn't know how the freaking thing started. I would just see, it's uh, like, ah, oh, what's going on? Oh, monsters. Oh, cool. Wolfman. If it was Wolfman, I was always down if there was a Wolfman I, in it. I agree. Like, when the Wolfman, like, I would always, same, like, around the transformation part. I think that's what caught me. I was like, I'm going to stay on this channel. Yeah. <laughs> this dude transforming in a, in a phone booth. And done well. Yeah. I'm like, yo. I was always cheering for the Wolfman. And then, wait, he gets blown up and then <laughs> comes back, to, comes that's back right. together? That's right. Only a silver bullet. That's true. Like wow, I didn't know he could survive an explosion though, like that. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, I the Dracula in this is my favorite version of Dracula. Like yeah. just the way he looks because he's he's channeling the Bella Lugosi look, but he he's got a, he's but he's getting modern. I'm like this, Bella this, Lugosi. I like this Dracula. I just yeah, yeah I love the way he, he pulls off his his thing and he's a dynamite toting Dracula. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, this time around, I actually got the Blu-ray. So I got the Blu-ray, movie train coming, ended up having it. 20th, nice. 20th anniversary, went to Irvin, got it. I was like, ah, we in there. It was 20 bucks <laughs> used. See, I only, I only ended up with the DVD at uh, Movie Train Company in Arlington. I would have I I really liked to have gotten the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. We'll get into how, I'm curious how, how, how it looked on your end. It, it, um... It looked fantastic. Oh. The transfer was spectacular. Like you couldn't, outside of <laughs> some '80s slang and some other things, like like it could have been made yesterday. Honestly, yeah, they, they I think they really tried not to have too many things that that would that would make it beholden to the time period. It looks fantastic. It looks great. Nice. Like the Blu-ray transfer is real nice, and I definitely appreciate that. This was one that was, as far as like, this is a, this is a testament, I think, to how how much of a cult classic it is. Cause when I tried to find it on Amazon and once I found out which version had the right commentary, cause there's a, there's another version out there, even mm-hmm. a Blu-ray that doesn't have the commentary. So mm-hmm. I was very cautious. And when I messaged, I was like, okay, this is the version to get. Yeah, 20th that, that 20th and I do appreciate that. I would have got snapped for the wrong one. Yeah. Cause I looked on Amazon and they had, a, they had this version, the 20th anniversary, but it was like mm. 60 bucks or something. Like that. Yeah, I was like, trip. what the heck? But it was, it was a little tougher to track down. So once I, once I saw, if they had the DVD, I was like, no, I will just, I'll just, I'm gonna cut my losses. I will just take this. It was like eleven bucks. I was like, all right, okay, I'll, 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 I'll go with the, the lesser quality. Um, maybe I'll upgrade later. Yeah, it looks good. It's worth the upgrade. Um, I ended up watching this with the kids. 
Um, it was a whole family situation. Nice, so, nice. What did, what did they think? Um, oldest one, he's 14, so he was like, he was in there. He watched the whole thing and was able to catch some of the reference. So stuff for like the old kids when they talk about virginity and stuff like that, he, you know, he's catching those jokes. Sure. My middle kids, seven, nine years old, they're just like, they're dialed in. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, and then my daughter, she's four, so she was kind of like, kind of scared a little bit on certain sure, parts. Sure. But yeah, they were all into it though. But I said, like, "So what do you think?" You know, between this and Goonies, because they saw Goonies, and they were like, "I like Goonies, I like Goonies." And my son, my oldest son, he's like, "I like Goonies." This one seemed short. <laughs> it is. Yeah, he even called like some editing something wrong with some of the editing. He said the editing's kind of weird on the on, on one of the parts. I got look at that eye. Okay. Yeah. So, huh? Uh, he specifically the scene with uh, when they meet the ger- when they're in the ger- with the German guy. And they're at his house. He said something with the editing is off on one of the parts. I guess it was a continuity error that he caught. Nice. But anyhow, but yeah, but at the end of the day, they still they still enjoyed it. Very cool. The new generation introduced to Monster Squad. Yeah. Even Isaiah, he's like, yeah, it reminds me of Chunk. Like the other kid, he's like, you know, that's like that's a that's a trope. It is. Uh, what did you like or not like about the film? I like again. Like I said before, I, I like I like the monsters. The fact that we yeah. get. All of them from all the Universal movies, we get them all grouped together. The only one miss, missing was, well, I'd say Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde, but he wasn't really Universal, uh, part of Universal. But um, but yeah, all the monsters together. And again, it's you know 80s kids. Like again, yeah, I'm a sure. child of the 80s, so when I see them with, with kids from the 80s coming together, you know, no black kids, but eh, yeah. you kind of you, get what you get. Yeah, yeah. yeah Goonies, Goonies didn't have any either. Just so, that Asian guy. That's it. Yeah, you guys take it like, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's what it is. We can, but, we can take, I guess. <laughs> we had one black guy, but we had to kill him. Yeah. And, he was, and he was a police officer. Oh, Damn, really? crying out loud. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't think about that until I watched <laughs> Counter. I was like, oh, man. Why they do the brothers like this? I was like, oh, yes, brother, it's I was the like, 80s. Trope. Okay, I'll put it down. It's a trope. There's <laughs> two black people in the whole movie. One's a, re- one's a reporter on the, t- on the TV. Nah. And then the other's a brother, a cop. Blown to bits. Blown to bits by Dracula. Um, some of the acting it sometimes felt was kind of shoddy sometimes with the kids. Mm. Um, and that is, and I remember uh, listening to the commentary on Goonies, how they were kind of saying, you know, it was rough, you know, kind of acting, you know, directing the kids as actors. So some, limited, go ahead. Limited amount of time you have to work with them also because of the, you know, there's certain laws in place with child actors. You only can work with them so many Absolutely. hours. And even when it's nighttime, you, you, it's, it's very, it's very uh, protected and controlled. That's what right. it should be. Yeah. And so it made me think, like, man, they probably could have did a couple more takes. And sometimes it might be like, you just need more takes, you know, some, some, it felt like, especially our lead, our squad leaders, like sometimes it was like overacting, like, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, it was just like, Ooh, just, Mm. just a little bit it, maybe a couple of takes would have been fine but they just took an interesting take so sometimes it could be awful but it, as a kid you don't really think about that part of it sure. you know watching it it's still entertaining but I was like oh. That's so, so a little <laughs> from a strong. technical standpoint I'm like oh, we could have did another take of that mm. yeah uh, I think there are a couple of lines that deliver that might be a little a little strong but again as the leader he was trying his best to show uh, authority or whatever it might right. be but yeah <laughs> <laughs> the chem- I don't know what did you think about the cop chemistry I don't know did you think they were vibing the chemistry there watching well, it watching it now it seemed a little like the the the, the, op, the brother he seemed a little a little over the top yeah at times some of the reaction the, the, the dialogue felt a little a little more forced yeah in watching this I'm like yeah 
I didn't, I didn't give it too much thought. I was like, okay, they're 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 ancillary to yeah. to you know playing background to to the kids. But uh, yeah, what about you? I think it felt like the chemistry was off. It um, not that they were not acting well. It just seemed a chemistry. And uh, I remember what Reginald Hudlin was talking about uh, in Boomerang. Even with the smaller parts, when you're casting them, you have to spend time casting that correctly because, you know, uh, amalgamation of everything that uh, collectively it could uh, give the wrong, you know, <laughs> the wrong vibe. And that's what I kind of felt with some, when you kind of break out and start looking at these different characters, like uh, the, something's not right here. I don't believe them as, you know, a partner. As partners. Yeah, I don't believe them. But. You know, I think by themselves they're fine, uh, but them as together, I didn't really, I didn't really uh, buy it. Well, I guess maybe the the sh- the schism that exists is because, you know, having to consider like real monsters being in your in your town, and these mm-hmm. crazy stories happening where one is going to be like, "This is," how do you expect me to believe this? And then that right. makes you question your partner. Like, mm-hmm. like, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because there's a schism throughout. Yeah. That that chemistry's interrupted. Don't know. Therefore, it seems disjointed, or maybe it's just performance. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't believe them. I didn't want to go on the long. I didn't want to go on the ride with them. Mm. You know, maybe hang out with Dracula more or somebody else. But I didn't want to hang out with the. Couple. I want to hang out with the monster. <laughs> like the drag, like that guy, that actor killed it. You know what I mean, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like certain characters, like ah, we can just hang out here. Even Frankenstein killed it. You know what I mean, like yeah, you know, so like. Parts don't really don't even say words. You know what I mean? Like scary, <laughs> bogus. Mm. So, um, but I did like the look of the film. Yeah, shot anamorphically, it yes, looks sir. pristine. Nice. I'm gonna have to access to the a digital version of it to uh, take in it in its glory. Yes. If I can remember, I bring one over. And um, the score, I didn't feel like. Like, yeah, reminded me of Goonies in certain parts. I was like, uh-oh. That guy has a, Spiel, a Spielbergian <laughs> yeah. quality like to some of his films. Maybe it's, maybe it's just the 80s trope like that. The feel, the, the, the strings that come in. <laughs> yeah, I was like in the little sprinkles or whatever those. Yeah. Maybe I should say more of like a John Williams uh-huh. kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, like, I thought it was a solid, solid score, yeah, man. Yeah, score was good. Some of the music cues. Mm, you- <laughs> 80s. It's 80s. It's, it's tropish. <laughs> The, the Monster Squad rap at the end. I used to like it as a kid. Now I'm like... Mm. Me, uh, I was playing it with my son. We were listening to it. I was like, it sounds like the dude's like reading the lyrics. <laughs> this is just a long... Huh? <laughs> I, I, googled, I googled Monster Squad rap. Let me show you the guy who, uh, yeah, yeah. who, who did the performance. I said, this guy... It sounded like an older white guy is what it sounded like. <laughs> Here is a story that I once... I was like... He's reading this. We must, I said, you can't do rap like hip hop like that. Higher, who was hot at the time in the eighties? Fresh Prince. Um, Hire any L, of those. LL Cool J. Dude. Uh, Hire one of those guys. The Sugar Crew. <laughs> Sugar Hill Gang. Because, yes. I mean, it was in that style, but it just wasn't present. Oh, that is beautiful. Oh, man. Bruce Brockton. Oh, man. He did the rap. Uh, it sounds like he looks. This ain't Halloween or no funny deal. They be playing for keeps. They be playing for real. Not when darkness falls all across the land. We're the only ones who can make a stand. Oh my goodness. That makes so much sense. Monster Squad. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just seems like. 
Uh, Barb, bring in the horseman. Sha la la la. Ain't got no money. Jack. <laughs> ain't got no fancy cars. Jack. <laughs> do, do. <laughs> Equal your love and head. This ain't nothing but the, a double cross. <laughs> Why monsters always crossing over? Why can't they cross with us? Oh, that makes so much sense. Uh, uh, <sighs> it's just a different energy when you, you know when you have this guy doing the rap. I, I, w- I want to know the story how this happened. Um, but it's different when you versus when you get Bobby Brown doing the, uh, the Ghostbusters theme or someone that like that's their thing. It's just different. Mm-hmm. The energy is totally different, and you can tell that he <laughs> when the credit is not it's not hitting hard like it's supposed to. It's not hitting at all. Yeah. With the monster squad, and then the, then the music drops. He's like, what? Uh. It's 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 commercial, but like in, the, in, the, in the wrong kind of way. <laughs> it's all, uh, yeah. But it's also, I mean, budget. I mean, twelve million dollar budget. Good try. Yeah, twelve million dollar budget. Yeah, that's what you. That's kind of what you get. Yeah, gave but, it a go. It was a good go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, I love it. Um. Commentary. What you think? Uh, what you think about the commentary? Which ones did you listen to? I uh, listened to both commentaries. So this twentieth uh, version, twentieth anniversary edition, has quite a number of features. Mind if I run through those real quick? Yep. Go Two ahead. audio commentaries. One with the writer director Fred Decker, along with Andre Gower. The uh, excuse me, yeah, along with the actors Andre Gower, Ryan Lambert, and Ashley Bank, as well as an additional audio commentary with the director, along with the. Uh, DP Bradford May, that was the one that's worth listening to. The one with the with the actors is is okay. As, yeah. as we find in, in most uh, most commentaries, um, if you want to hear from the actors, I recommend watching the five part docu series that's uh, on this um, edition called Monster Squad Forever. It's a five part retrospective featuring new interviews with writer director Fred Decker, actors Andre Gower, Ryan Lambert, Ashley Bank, Duncan Rayher, who played Dracula, and Tom Noonan, who played Frankenstein. Good. And then there's a conversation with Frankenstein where you have uh, Tom Noonan in character, still dressed as Frankenstein, doing an interview as Frankenstein. A couple deleted scenes that you know really aren't uh, they're they're okay. Uh, the original theatrical and TV spots there's a stills gallery, uh, yeah, and then just some just technical, technical stuff as far as the presentation of the film and the sound. Yeah, I, I listened to the commentary with the director and the DP, and got I enjoyed that commentary. Um, wish it was more like kind of filmmaker tapes, but um, overall, I think that one was uh, I like that one. That commentary was good. Um, what do you feel like? What kind of tone were they trying to hit with this film? It's horror comedy. Like this is yeah. a, this is a, a horror comedy, and uh, the director even says that he was again obviously a big fan of the Universal monster movies, but in particular, he was also a fan of like the Little Rascals mm-hmm. shows like that growing up as a kid. But also for him, like the the penultimate film for him was Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. Okay, and within that, if I'm not mistaken, there are not necessarily the original actors playing the the Universal monsters, but there's a bunch of of Universal monsters within that film. Okay. That make appearances. And so this kind of pulls from that, obviously, with the number of monsters we see that are Universal inspired, even though they had to make changes because Universal, they they didn't want to take on the film. Mm-hmm. So they had to make adjustments to how the monsters look to not, you know, straight copyright infringe. 
Yeah, and I think that adds to that tone when the we hear we see the backstory, we get to read it. The backstory, it's black black backdrop, red letters, and he's talking about the backdrop of the history of everything that's going on and how they were going to save you know the world from being becoming all evil and then it says they blew it blew it and so it's like okay there's a comedy you know it starts out it could be dark and then okay some comedy then we go into seeing dracula wake up and you know he's a bat with these he with these red eyes that are glowing they're like beaming pretty heavy especially on the blu-ray when you see it, it's like man it's pretty good um and then we see that there's this mob squad that that goes into where were they going? They they had the it was, a, it was a castle. It was a castle. Cast, cast, castle Dracula in Transylvania, they, led by Van Helsing. Van Helsing, and so uh, they had <laughs> those dynamites. They're pretty handy with. <laughs> They like, play with that like, TNT. Dude, they like they, these large, so they blow up and they go into there. And then as soon as they go into this castle, we see this woman who's a va- obviously a vampire with these jacked up eyes eating a possum. And in her mouth, you can see some of the meat from the possum. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, um, you're out for blood, you, you, you get desperate. Man, and then they shoot her in the heart, of course, with <laughs> stake to the heart. Yeah, with the, with the bow and arrow. <laughs> But um, that was the opening, and so my daughter was kind of afraid on that part. Ah. Uh, but it was disgusting to see that possum in her mouth, and she takes a chunk out of it, and it's there. It's like, ah, it's just sitting there. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I think they, they, they were able to establish that tone very well, having the dark, a little bit of the comedy. Um, go ahead. When I, when I think of it, again, watching the film now, I'm like, okay, this is this is Goonies meets the Universal Monsters. Yeah. Like, that's that's how, that's, that's how I see it. I'm like, okay, this has has those vibes all all coming together. The only thing you don't have, well, you don't have any older teenage girls kind of, it says, except for the one kid's sister. Right. Who was supposed to be the virgin. Right. Supposed to be. Hmm. Parentheses. Um, but you don't really kind of have that, that, that romantic tension. I mean, you know, Rudy uh, yeah, yeah. kind of crushed on it, but you don't have that romantic tension throughout and that kind of separates Absolutely. it from, from Goody's son. Yeah. But again, the film has moved so quick. It's like, I don't know. You know, we ain't got time for that. Yeah, yeah, ain't got time for that. So. Uh, I do like the style, uh, the anamorphic style, how they say it's like elegant and old fashioned. And it still holds up. Like they talk about how it, it holds up. I, I do like that about the style. What kind of style did you think they were kind of achieving? Uh, definitely. Again, like you said, anamorphic. You can see it in some of the, the, the flares of, of, of light, especially when there's, there's different uh beams and flashes oh, whether yeah. it's the bat's eyes or whether it's the amulet itself when it's mm-hmm. when it's glowing and flickering its rays of light but also the film does a good job of going from from warm to from cool to warm mm-hmm. uh, at different times especially kind of letting you know it's a bit of a lighter film when you often see the kids during the daytime it's it's really really warm yeah there's a really good scene where dracula comes to the cell he has frankenstein in and it's cool from where dracula is coming from but mm-hmm. it's warm it's no well, opposite way. It's it's cool inside Frankenstein's cell, mm-hmm. but when Dracula's coming in, it's it's it's, it's warmer, mm-hmm. and so you kind of see this blend of those uh, in a, in that scene. They point that out in, in the commentary. Yeah, agreed. And I, you and I, as a kid, didn't really realize why things look the way they look. You know, oh, this was on purpose. They you know they lit it a certain way uh, to give us a feeling. Um, so when you see some of the darker films like The Lost Boys and things like that, you're like. Oh, they're going for horror, you know. And Stay dark. <laughs> and so, okay, the light is actually more inviting to bring children into. But it, yeah, Goonies felt darker, you know. Going back into that, it's like it, it feels. Spend like most a, of the time underground. Yes, I mean, yeah, once it was you, at nighttime too. Yeah, once you and once you're 
yeah, underground, like you're there for yeah, a pretty pretty good uh, pretty good chunk. Yeah, you and plus get, the area where they're at is more overcast, kind mm-hmm. of in what Oregon. Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. raining, so that also brought in that kind of dark vibe. Uh, but you don't see the lights in the movie, which is a visual thing as well. You know, yeah, style resolution, but also there's a there's a good amount of camera movement, even even when like in other ways of shooting things, you may not have camera movement. in this in this there 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 is different camera movement. There's even. Uh, in the scene where they're sitting with the scary, scary German guy, as they, as they call him, um, when he's sitting on the couch and they're, they, they're starting to read the the book of Van Helsing and, mm-hmm. and, and, and translating it, and then there's a slow push in, and then like when you do that, it's good to have a complimentary mm-hmm. version of that, and so they have a reverse where they're then pushing in on the on the on the kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so good good uh, camera movement going on as well. Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of, yeah, well, we'll go into that in a little bit. But he also talked about uh, for style that they like to shoot backlit whenever whenever they can. And perfect example is that when the kids are outside, when they're leaving the German guy's house and the lighting's hitting, they're on the porch looking at the German guy and the light's hitting them from the back. So um, that was purposely a style they were kind of going for. All right, themes. Yes. Themes. Okay, there's a theme of friendship. Yeah, Absolutely. And family, mm-hmm. as well as redemption. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. How about you? I I couldn't find. I mean, I'm sure there's some, but it just went, wasn't too many that was like glaring um, like that that I was looking for. Um, yeah, so I'll move on. All right, moving on. Uh, I do have a bit for like director point of view and that they were trying to do have a colorful palette and what they were shooting visual with their visual style. Like like when we look at uh, the movie The Crow, you, we see how they were purposely like a lot of the colors were muted in their in the art direction, in the clothing, things that they were wearing. It was it was muted and only certain colors they wanted to pop out. Um, and this one, as you see, the kids wear everything, all kinds of colors are showing up on the screen. They say, yeah, we wanted a colorful palette. And that's just to kind of get the mood to, to be more inviting. Um, and they were also going for more of a real look, even though it wasn't necessarily the director style. I think that was something that was kind of from the executive Peter Heimann? Heim? Mm-hmm. Heim. Uh, he, you know, a lot of the things that he would do, he kind of pushed that onto the director. Until so the director was just trying to figure out how to work out with that, and they said that in any in any fantasy film, it's it's still good to ground it in in realism mm-hmm. to still have that 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 basis there. So then, uh, those elements of fantasy that hit they they could have more of an impact because it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a disruption then to that world. Yeah, that's that's grounded and it helps you helps you relate. Like, oh man, what what would I do if I were you know, seeing through the kids' eyes, what would I do if, if I was, you know, all of a sudden confronted with Dracula throwing dynamite uh, at me, I mean, that, or or the mummy in my closet? Yeah, well, the mummy stealing my damn Twinkie. No, the 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 Gill Man stealing my damn Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> Gill Man stole my Twinkie. Twinkies were good back then. Yes, they were. Do you have like any favorite scenes or uh, memorable scenes? Uh, first one I have is the Wolfman in the police station. Yeah. So seeing the guy, we don't yeah. even we don't even know the human's name. He's just Wolfman. Yeah. Even in the credits, and how he is, I mean, raving about, hey, I'm, 
I'm a, I'm going to turn into a full moon. I am going to turn into a werewolf. Like right. he is trying to tell these people yeah, what's going up. on. And the fact that we don't have much of a backstory about him at all. Like <laughs> he wh- shows up. Why is yeah, all of a sudden why is he in this town right now appearing? Like and all these like monsters just know to converge at this mm. time. Has this guy been a werewolf in other cities or did this curse just now return upon him yeah. in his lineage or whatever this night? I I mean I this is a, val- it's a valid question. Uh, has to do with the writing because I'm like, why? Why is everybody teaming up? You know what I mean? Like, of course, there's this Van Helsing thing, but you know, it, uh, I don't think it came across as clear as it probably needed to be. Why everybody all of a sudden is here? Maybe it came from Dracula a little bit. Dracula's pulling the strings. Yeah, she's absolutely pulling the strings. This is this is the this is that time, right? It only happens maybe. with this animal can do this thing at this time. So maybe because they're all supernatural, they are drawn to it. And because it's being held at that museum or, or in that wall at this place, <laughs> yeah, I, I think in this town, I think you're right. It. But it needs to be illustrated more. Yeah, short movie. <laughs> it, yeah, but anyway, yeah. but I, hey, I, we're trying I, to make eighty-eight minutes here. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's right. But I, I like the scene with him in there and how he freaks out, and you know, the, they always show the quick glint of, of of the moon, and that's enough for him to start to get you know already yeah. stronger. And yeah. He, Throws the cop through the window, and the yeah. other cop just pow, pow, pow. Yeah, three man. shots, three Yikes. to the chest. Yikes. Should have gone two to the head. <laughs> I like the uh, Dracula hero shot when, when we're down low, kind of pushing in on him. Then the lightning cracks, and then we see his face flash to a skull real quick. Yeah. That was well done. That's pretty cool. Like, oh, Dracula. Uh, I like when all the the monsters first rally together. Yeah, and you get that uh, group shot, you know, and where they're all there, you know, the you know, Dracula's there, and then you know you see Wolfman, he's oh, he's coming along, right. kind of through the forest. That's right, kinda, he, he, and he's got he's kind of looking side to side, and you can tell the costumes glued down. He's got yeah. to move the whole torso, <laughs> and then he gets stopped by Dracula's cane. It goes in the frame. Dracula's cane, the silver the silver cane, which is very much reminiscent of the old werewolf movies. Yeah. And he gets killed with the with the with the, the, the silver on, on the head of the cane. So that stops him. But as that happens, and it pans over to Wolfman, then when it pans back over to, to Dracula, mm-hmm. you see that then the mummy has slowly limped his way yeah. onto the scene. How the yep. hell how the hell he moves fast. He he does that when he wants to, you know, because he's Yeah, he's, that, that was interesting. He's very athletic. When yeah, he wants to when be. he wants to be, he he's got some moves. He just he's just storing it all up. It's like kinetic energy. He's like, I, I got I got burst. I could I can get a burst every twenty four hours a burst of athleticism. That's all I got, boys. I gotta time this out. <laughs> So mummy's there, and then all of a sudden we see the water begin to get troubled, and out of it, all of a sudden the, that that coffin of Frankenstein rises up. You're like, yeah. How is that happening? And then you see it's being pushed and levitated up, pressed yeah. above the head of the Gill Man, Gil Man, who is of course you know the creature from the Black Lagoon, yeah. but they have to call him Gill Man. He tosses the coffin onto the onto the seas, and yeah, he comes on up and. Uh, yeah, we get the shot of them all together with the lightning flashing and them howling and oh yeah, it's like a celebration, I guess. Together again, I like. There's a monster in my closet, little kid getting his dad. I've been in this situation, you know, having to be like, "There's nothing here, go away." You know, I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> you tell him, you know, you tell him just to go away. I remember that when my oldest son was little, he'd be like, "Go away," <laughs> you know. 
But there was one time where he was not having it. He was like, "I'm I'm coming to the room with you guys." Like I'm, he was crying and everything. Wow. He he was he would not let us close the door or go to sleep. He would terrified. Yeah, something was going on in that closet. I think as a kid, we've all had those had those moments where whatever, whether it was something that we watched or something that we we heard outside of our window or a stormy night or whatever it was, it just it got or a nightmare that just got us where you were like, I can't be alone in the dark right now. Yeah. Where's the safety at? Mom and dad's room. Yeah. He, yeah, he I'm was, going there. He was determined. He he was not having it that night. That was only one night out of all nights. Happened once, and I was like, dang, he saw something. Okay, come on. In. Yeah, I've, I've, I think I had that happen. I've had nightmares before as a kid, but I remember one time in particular, I had to, yeah, I ran to mom and dad's room. Yeah. Yeah, nightmare. <laughs> you see the fear? <laughs> that was just, I, was, I was done. <laughs> I was done. Had enough. Yes. Um, when Frankenstein first meets the the Monster Squad, and they're, all the boys are terrified, but the little girl's like, you know, don't be chicken, chicken. Come on, he's friendly. <laughs> the little girl was too cute. Like yeah. she, she, Phoebe. She Is that her name, Phoebe? Little Phoebe. Yeah. yeah, she, she, she nails it. She was like four or five years old. She was like, pretty good. Yeah, she did her thing. And when you know the, the lead kid, he goes the leader. He goes up to him and he's like, "Hey guys, he's cool." And he kind of taps Frankenstein, and Frankenstein just you know taps his back, but it like you know knocks him on the ground. But yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Phoebe's. Um, of course, the old, you know, kick him in the nard scene. And that's just a memorable scene. I remember that scene from a, as a kid. A lot of the other scenes I don't remember. I do The wolf man coming together, that one I do remember after seeing it again. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Sure. Uh, but the nards, everybody knows that scene. That's so, the I mean, scene. Yeah. That's the scene that's the, the line. Uh, so in addition to that, it's uh, when the wolf man, when he transforms in the phone booth, he's yeah. like, you're coming for your son. And also when the, the camera's panning around the phone booth, and all of a sudden you go from him, they're, they're, they're coming for your son. And it's like, ah, you see the shot. And he's just, ah, he's like. So disgusting. The yeah, little white spit coming out. Yeah, just, man. Okay, this guy is metamorphically transforming. His, his bone structure is changing. Like, yeah. That has to be hella painful. Yeah. Just everything changing. Um you got any more? Oh, um, I like how the mummy becomes unwrapped in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, expression. <laughs> <laughs> so the mummy, he comes out um, to block the car with all with the monster squad in the car with the German man driving. He jumps in front of the the uh, the truck. And, uh, German man swerves to the left to get out of the way of the mummy, but some kind of way the mummy jumps. <laughs> Burst. He's saving it up. I said, burst. <laughs> He's got that burst. Here's my chance. Ah. He jumps. Like, <laughs> he had to be like 50 meters. Like, he just. He's <laughs> saving it. He's saving it, right? Tell you, man. He had that burst. He jumps. Like, he grabs <laughs> the back of it. <laughs> He's holding on. They're like, ah. They grab this uh, bow and arrow and then get a little piece of his uh, little mummy wrap and shoot it against a tree that's holding it together some kind of way, miraculously. Mm. And it's unwrapping them as they're driving. And it bandages <laughs> don't fail me now. Man, it was that's a memorable scene for sure. Yeah, that's uh, the mummy is, I gotta say, like one of the weakest, <laughs> like one of the weakest, like monsters ever. It's okay, you move real slow. Yeah. You have no muscle tone, or anything. you are literally just bandages just carcass. And, and dusty 
bones, like decayed bones. Yeah. How are you gonna hurt anybody? Nothing we can do with that one. Yeah, that's all. That's all the supernatural. That's all the straight <laughs> supernatural. Yeah, burst, burst. Uh, I like once the Wolfman gets pushed out of the warehouse with the dynamite and oh, explodes. Yeah. yeah, that was into pieces. Like okay, like the timing was like on point with that. Oh yeah, as soon as it hits the window, it blows. Yeah, a second later, the 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 the, the dad and the son gone. But yeah, perfect time. Bam, boom, push him out, pow, and then all of a sudden. You see, like the toes, you know, wiggle. You see yeah. the half to half torso laid there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the eyes open up first, something like that. Like, oh wait, okay, <laughs> man, got something left. All of a sudden, and then also you see the body parts start sliding on the ground, and they yeah. come together. And you see the silhouette. Oh, and you see his like the cat, his calf go across the screen. <laughs> like, oh, he's not done. Like, okay, that's. I thought that was so awesome. Like seeing that's him good. reassemble. Like, <laughs> not even an explosion can stop this dude. Like, he will, he will come back together like somehow he's not he's not no damn mummy yeah you, you can't just unravel him it ain't gonna work you can't even blow him up no he's still coming at you son very true i like another memorable scene is just dracula with all this dynamite you know he blows up the tree house that's iconic because i'm like dude that's the tree house that's the headquarters meeting a judge <laughs> oh damn this guy's cold like, he's ready to blow up kids. Like he's got a good arm too. How do you throw it up in there? Years of practice. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you don't want to play quarterback from the Ravens, man. Just... <laughs> At number one, QB <laughs> Dracula. Dracula. So he throws that, blows up the treehouse. That looks great. Has another one, lights it magically, and throws it under the car. That blows up. I'm like, dang, boy, that dynamite is destructive. Dude, you could, dude literally has telekinesis. Yeah. The look at something and boom. Yeah. Ignite it. I've never seen Dracula with dynamite just <laughs> taking out folks. That I mean, that alone is. You get a stick. It's, you get its, a stick. Own, it's you its, get its own thing. Yeah. Like, TNT. Dracula has so many supernatural powers as he already shapeshifts. He can turn into fog. He can turn into a wolf. Yeah. He's got superhuman strength. He can turn into a bat and fly. He can yeah. bite you. He can, he can, you know, mesmerize you, like stare at you and make you do his thing. Yeah. He didn't even use like half his thing. He said, no, I'm just going to go with the dynamite boys. <laughs> <laughs> then he got, then he has telekinesis. Like, dude, and you pack a dynamite. Like, uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be able to win this fight. <laughs> Jack looks good. This dude is cool. And he's got he's got resources too. He's got he's got money. He's got a, a, a pretty awesome ride. Yeah. That can transparently pass through other vehicles on the highway. I'm like, what? Uh I don't think we're gonna win this one, guys. Yeah. Mm. We got too much going on. Mm. Um, another scene is when he again at the, at the end when he grabs little Phoebe uh <laughs> by the by the cheeks. Oh no lifts, lifts her I feel up. Like that should hurt. Yeah, and this he's gonna be in. She's terrified, but he's kind of being nice, touching her face, kind of stroking her face, and he's, he just grabs her cheeks, grabs her cheeks, and lifts her up, looks at her, give me the yeah, I'm gonna let you, and calls it a b word. Like, little oh, kid, a little kid, like, little child, like like this guy. You really are a monster, Dracula, <laughs> cursing at kids. Like that's the thing that gets us. Right. It's not the black cop you blew up in the car. Nope. It's like oh, he cursed at a kid. You monster. She's four years old for crying out loud, Dracula. You bastard. <laughs> And then he bears the fangs, and they said that little girl scream. That was real. Yeah. Like they, they, they said the director said, "Okay, on this screen, on this scene, I just need you to scream." When she's like, "Well, what am I do?" They said, "You'll know." <laughs> they just sprung that great under. direction. Yeah, real. And then of course Frankenstein is right there. Boom! Gets his gets his hands on Dracula, ah. and finally 
directly defies his master. He just gives the line, bogus. <laughs> Bam. Just yeah. Gives him the uppercut. And gets impelled by a random gate. This is good. It's good. Good aim by Frankenstein. Yeah. These guys are, I mean, they're athletic in this movie. Hey. <laughs> okay. uh, one of my last ones, just, uh, I do remember when Cop Dad shoots the bat. And then it, t- it turns into a Dracula, and he's like kind of jacked him up a little bit. Yeah, he's like he's like his his little bat knee is like bleeding. Yeah, like, oh, he winged him, which is, is an impressive shot because he was driving in the vehicle and shooting left handed. <sighs> well done, cop dad. Hmm. Very impressive, and, and shooting a bat like that's a heck of a name, like a moving target of, and a a bat. Like, he was upset about that treehouse. He really was, and his partner. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah easily we forget the the, the casualty <laughs> man um maybe he cared more than we thought about his part apparently there was some chemistry there <laughs> but what, so you know i'm thinking now where do you get another vehicle from because that other vehicle was blown up that's right but he was at the house so was it their second car i don't know <laughs> I just thought about that. Now I'm like, where did he get that? Yeah, man, 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 yeah, they cut that one out. Yeah. The last one I have was uh, Frank. Frank has hands because when he's being pulled into the vortex and little Phoebe throws him the teddy bear, <laughs> he cuts it. Boom. <laughs> Frank, I, I was also saying, Frank got hands. During that shot, I was like, wow. I said, Phoebe's got an arm. She got an arm on her. <laughs> just the emotion of it. My son started laughing. I was like, she just threw her like right there, right hey. in the numbers. I was like, <laughs> It'd be an extra sad if Frank had dropped it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Frank. <laughs> My man. She was at the bench. She was at the bench. The vortex has to be like a football field away. <laughs> She's, mm. But you know, the vortex is going gonna, gonna to give it more gravitational there pull. There you pull go. It, pull it. <laughs> she just needed to have it in the general vicinity. <laughs> vortex would pull it in. She was like, well, if the mummy can do it, <laughs> she could have a burst. Little, little Phoebe could have a, a burst of athleticism, too. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> the things we point out. It's like this shouldn't be possible. It's all supernatural. <laughs> um. So, what do you got for tropes? It's a lot of tropes in here. There are a number of tropes. All right, uh, we have a kid on the roof in the eighties. Ah, ah, yeah, watching the TV, the movie, the, the drive-in. Yes, drive-in. Um, kid befriends monster. Phoebe uh, in the movie Goonies is Chunk befriending a monster. Kids take on death-defying odds. <laughs> they should not be in that situation at all. Um, the fat kid is a trope within itself. And back then, people could make fun of fat people. They could. They could. Our friend, and again, Goonies, Chunk being the fat kid who they kept making fun of. Yes, sir. Uh, hands in the middle. Oh. Chant on whatever On three On five Whatever you want to say But hands in the middle So we are a team We are united To take down This cause Agreed uh, Bullies Get bullied mm. So we see early on That um, what's, what's the guy They call him Fat Kid Right They just call him Fat Kid He gets bullied early on His name Is Fat Kid right? Is Horace <laughs> uh, So they call him Fat Kid Everybody, Even his friends Are calling him Fat Kid Yeah pretty sad it's 80s uh, man and then um but early on we see that you know one of the other unlikely members of the monster squad bullies the kid bullies the bullies and so rudy rudy who is smoking and uh, and only in junior high yeah 
was like, whoa, you like you uh, dropout. <laughs> <laughs> Dressed like a greaser with your, uh, from the outsiders. Penny loafers. Yeah, that would make a whole yeah, the outsiders would have definitely been an influence on that kid. Yeah, dress just like him. Mm. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I also have product placement. Oh. Including Pepsi, mm-hmm. Burger King, yeah. Adidas, Whoa. and Fox Photo. Does Snickers count, even though it got stepped on the ground? Ooh, that I only saw Snickers once, mm-hmm. so I didn't count it, but it, it potentially could have. But mm-hmm. those those four brands appeared multiple times. That's like true. Every time there was a beverage, it was always a Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And Burger King appears when the dad brings it to his kid on the roof. And then we actually see a, an uh, exterior shot of a Burger King, mm-hmm. I think, towards the end. Yeah, in the downtown area. Yeah, and the Fox photo, they actually were, like, they mentioned in the commentary how they used Fox photo. Like, they wanted to be, like, a part of sponsoring the film. Really? Yeah. So that was a direct product placement. Um. The bullied kid gets his day. And so at the end of the film, you know, we see that the bullies would let him into the store to hide away from the monster. That's extra bad. And yeah, to get killed. And so he ends up having his gun, shoots Gilman, Gilman. and one shot, dead. You know, no you know, you know, extra superpowers or anything like this, straight shot to the chest, out of there. Shotgun. And then the bully's like, you did good, fat kid. The name is Horace. Clack, clack. My name is always clack, 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 thunder. Like, and then you get the right the swell in the music with the hero shot. You looking up at okay, him. kid, get yours, get yours. Um, the eighties montage. Oh God, what music was that? That was that was kind of catchy. That, that was kind of catchy. Dancing to your They should have did more music cues like that. Yeah, that was that was straight. I don't want to go home. I don't want to. Yeah, that, yeah, and have that 80s, 80s groove. Um, I have the leader of the pack solves the puzzle. As we saw, I always like to reference other films. Goonies, he solves the one eye Willie. One eye Willie, you know. <laughs> Switch. <laughs> <laughs> Inhale, inhaler. Right. This is our time. Down here is our time. Now, that's a leader. Let's, let's talk about these speeches this guy had. <laughs> um, but in the, in the puzzle, the puzzle that our, our boy from Gunny's had, that was a very intricate puzzle, whereas my homie is just... <laughs> Let's see. A R D. Okay, no. Uh, D R A. This is Dragon the Bangerwood, son of a gun. <laughs> they did him no justice. The writers did him no justice at all. That's Dracula's bad. Like, yo, uh, you have other names. He's gonna, he's gonna show up and just give him your name backwards. You trying to get caught, <laughs> Dracula? You out here trying to get caught? Ah, our coolard, our coolard, our our coolard. Yes, yeah, that's. That's me. You'll never figure me out. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not Spielbergian writing. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I was like, man, give my man some speeches. Give him some harder puzzles to solve. This is ridiculous. <laughs> what a time, what a time crutch. <laughs> 85, 85 minutes. Run time. <laughs> less, less puzzles. Uh, just turn the name backwards. That's going to be good. <laughs> oh, man. To see him like try to figure this thing out is bad. <laughs> A R no, I'll scratch it out. Uh, L A C no 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 D R A C D R A C U L A Dracula. Um, the only black character, well, 
the second black character. Yeah. I, like, I mean, so I don't even count the, the lady who showed yeah, up on the I news. Yeah, because I didn't even, I kind of just counted didn't even, yeah. The black character, the black man. Yeah, there you go. The only black man in the film. Mm. Who's a cop? Yeah. Dies. Yeah. Yeah. That's a trope. Trope for sure. The lady in the window, like who dresses in front of the open window like that over and over again? But you've seen this in plenty of films. That's very true. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, the the rap song. <laughs> rap song in the in the eighties. Everybody's everybody's getting in on it. By by eighty eight, everybody's heard of rap. Yeah. And they're trying to commercialize it, capitalize on it. At the end of Monster Squad, there's the Monster Squad rap. Yeah. Yeah, like the monster squad. Yeah, the monster. Um, one one of the last tropes I have is superb timing. Mm. So, what, what's the leader of the monster squad? What's his name? I keep forgetting. His name is not Horace. Mm-mm. Sean. Sean. So Sean, the kids are leaving the mansion. It's after they cut uh, Wolfman in the Nars. They're running out of there. Um. Oh, no, they kicked him in ours, and they also gave Dracula a little slice of pizza to the face. Garlic pizza. (laughs) Garlic pizza. Um, They run up out of there. As soon as they're running, German man just so happens to be driving on the road with Phoebe. Oh, that's great. That is. And then on the other side, we have the Virgin and uh, our boy, the the greaser. Rudy. He pulls up in there on bikes, ready to rock and roll. Here's a a continuity issue. Why weren't there bikes in the back of the Hummer? Ooh. Cause I, I thought about that. I was like, "Oh, their bike should have been stored." Because I surely didn't just leave them. But sometimes in the eighties, he did that. But I was like, "Oh, where are their bikes?" Perfect timing. So that's a trope. Superb timing. Yeah. Everybody united once. No, no cell phones. No nothing. Just thanks for meeting me here. You just had a sense of timing in the in these in the earlier <laughs> days. You just knew that I need to be somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometime. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Uh. That that's kind of all I had for tropes. <laughs> that's all I had too. Yeah. Um, quotes. I only have one quote, but you've already said it. Say my, it again. My name is Horace. Ha! Click 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 click. Uh, Frankenstein. When he again speaking of the girl changing in front of the window, he's he's looking and then he's touching the camera and then he accidentally presses the the shutter. Mm-hmm. He says, "Bogus, bogus." <laughs> he backs away from the camera. Yes. Um, again, the one of the most memorable lines from the movie is when Sean tells Horace to kick Wolfman in the Nards, and Sean says Wolfman doesn't have Nards, and he says just do it. And Horace goes up to Wolfman, and kicks him in the Nards, and Wolfman goes down in pain. Yeah. Wolfman and Horace says, "Whoa, Wolfman has Nards." <laughs> Uh, um, they talk to at one point they're they're talking to to Rudy, uh, Sean's good friend, and he says, "So, um, you know any virgins?" And and Rudy, as he does a couple times in the film, spits out his Pepsi instantly <laughs> when he when he hears that line. That was good. That was yeah. good. Um, later on in the film, speaking of virgins, when um, Sean's fr- let me get the kid's name because uh, it's his sister that we see. Mm-hmm. And she says that she's a virgin, and so they are, uh, Patrick, I think his name is. So Patrick's sister 
is there supposed to read the the the, the right chant in in uh, to cause the ambulance to make the portal that's needed and she reads the the lines and nothing's happening yeah and so Patrick starts to ask her, are you really a virgin? And she says, mm, she shakes her head, no. He's like, what do you mean, no? And then she's like, well, so-and-so, but he doesn't count. He's like, doesn't count. And, yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> and then at the very end, uh, the, 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 youngest, the youngest child, uh, you remember his name? No, that's the one talking about there's a mummy in the closet. Exactly. That's uh, Rudy. Rudy. No, that's not Rudy. I'm joking. Eugene. Eugene. Ah, little yeah, Eugene. Right. Little He's the one Eugene. who wrote the letter. Yeah, he, little Eugene has, during the montage, he writes a letter that says, you know, dear army, monsters have come to my town. Please, please come. <laughs> and son of a gun, but in the movie, <laughs> the army literally shows up. Yes. You've got, you've got the rugged old general. Okay, what's going on here? And little Eugene in his first grade year old mind says, Mommy came in my room. <laughs> and the general looks at him. Says, Can somebody tell me what the Sam Hell's going on around right, here? Right, right. And of course, then the leader, Sean, steps up and says, Well, I can't, sir. Who are you? It must squad. I was like, Oh, and then the rap shows up. It's like, now with darkness falls all across the land, we're the only ones who can make a stand. <laughs> that's how they sound? Monster that's, Squad. That's how they sound, right? That's, that's how they sound. I know it. I, yeah, I heard the Jack. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but yeah, so that's a uh, yeah, little little Eugene saying, Mommy came in my room. <laughs> he got the like where did he mail this to? Where <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's for the question segment. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, that's all. I didn't really have any more quotes. That, that was my last quote as well. Uh, do you have questions? <laughs> yes. Okay. I may have uh, something to pontificate. Okay. All right. So my first question was, how the hell does a kid get away with making bullets in shop class? <laughs> Rudy's in there melting down the silverware and... Little bullets, yeah, little bullets. Now, here's one of the things that the, you don't see in the film. And one of the one of the deleted scenes, Sean actually goes into uh, his parents' room where his dad's holster and gun are. He goes uh, in and empties the the revolver and uh, puts in silver bullets into his dad's holster, closes it up, puts it back on there. But that was a, a deleted oh, scene. How about that? Which might be why, if if that say rang true, might be why those bullets harmed Dracula a little bit more huh. when he got shot as a bat and fell through the window. Interesting. Maybe they were silver bullets. Nonetheless. Hmm. But, yeah. How does a kid get away with making bullets in shop class? One of my questions, why is Dracula driving? They asked that in the commentary. Oh, did they? Yeah, I think it actually may have been in the second commentary. Uh-huh. It's like, well, you know, it could be quicker than flying. You gotta, you know, I, I assume a bat only goes so so fast on uh, no. the, open, the open night sky. He's driving. I mean, it looks cool. You know, the car looks cool and all that. But it's I'm a flex. Just, yeah. He's flexing. <laughs> He's just flexing. I can accept that. You know, uh, maybe he can't carry all that dynamite with him. There you go. He's got to carry the hardware because that bat ain't carrying freaking dynamite. That's what it is. <laughs> this is the dynamite hearse. Watch out there now. Yeah. Or maybe it's for his crew that can't fly. Um, You know, but I am. Mainly for the mummy. Mummy, get your slowness in here. Come yeah. on. <laughs> drive, I got to drive this guy around. <laughs> Oh man, uh, my 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 other my last question is, uh, 
because we talked about this, Jack. How come Dracula couldn't break free from Van Helsing's <laughs> fairly, fairly casual, hey buddy grip around yes. his around his throat? But then after watching again, I'm like, okay, a couple of things happened to Dracula. He took some damage. Yeah, he did land on the initial rail spike, uh, the fence spike yeah, when, when Dracula gave him the uppercut. Yeah, and then Sean, when he grabs Sean to pull him into the vortex, Sean grabs a wooden stake. And drives it again. into his heart. Ah. Uh, now it doesn't. That that you that's don't a, see it while he's in the vortex. Exactly, that's a mistake. It doesn't show when he's in the vortex. Clearly, that you know, post or whatever. That happened a few times with but them that mistake. Doesn't show. Yeah, Dracula just you know he's just pristine again. Like especially after the garlic slap to the face, and he's well, like, he's gonna heal. Like he, he has supernatural healing abilities. So that's why I was like, that's a light chokehold. You can get out of that, Dracula. But that vortex still gonna suck a man. Just That's like little, evil just like, is over. Just like a little teddy bear, it's gonna suck a man. But that vortex is pretty. It's not discerning. It takes. It takes everything. If you if you if it ain't nailed down, yeah. good or bad, it's gonna take you. I mean, Van Helsing's ass still floating around there, <laughs> hundreds of years later, giving people a thumbs up. All right, my mission wasn't in vain. Like man, Van Helsing, you kind of dropped the boat. You kind of you did blow it, Van Helsing. Like you was like man, you can't even get out. Like you just stuck, like eternally battling with Dracula. That kind of sucks. And then old German guy loses his vehicle. Like his mode of transportation <laughs> gets sucked okay. in. <laughs> that, that goes my right home. <laughs> uh, one of my last questions is um, the brother that gets blown up in the car. How is he? How can he cannot get out of his car? Is it now? We would assume that the vampire has locked him in. That's, that's what I. That's what we would assume, mm. but we're not shown that. So it looks dumb that he can't get out of his own car, and he blows up. <laughs> <laughs> and, yo, Dracula is pretty efficient on the the lighting to throw ratio because the you know, the Sean's dad has to be on him, tells him to freeze. Yeah, Dracula stands there. Looks at the dynamite, it lights. Yeah. And the fuse is fairly short. It's going down, and then he just tosses it underneath the car. Yeah. And by the time, you know, brother in the car realizes it, he's like, he, No, he he's pushing the door. Oh, you is see? he? Yes, he's pushing the door. Oh, so why you can't get out? Pushing. He's like, <laughs> But we don't see, like, you put, you're supposed to put the insert of the door locks coming yeah. down. You have Ooh. to. Yeah, that would have been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> then throw the bomb. <laughs> yeah it should have happened like like rise the dynamite went underneath then it could have like panned up yeah and showed like one of the locks yeah getting locked and then you see then you then you know you could see his face and then cut to his partner and then, yeah. and then boom that's a good that's a good i didn't i didn't really think about him trying to to get out just that uh yeah it's over it probably would have still been a little messy but he probably would have survived uh Probably would have lost his legs. That's what I'm saying. Like he probably would have survived, maybe. Maybe. Uh, uh, but you know, we never know. Seem athletic. <laughs> Everybody was athletic in this film. Yeah, that's true. Oh man, it was. Uh, I mean, Phoebe got an arm. You know, Frank. She got that arm. <laughs> Phoebe with arm. Frank with hands. But the brother couldn't couldn't get away. Even, hell, even mummy had moves. You know, he <laughs> got mummy. <laughs> but not the brother. No. Hmm. This is a movie. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, what do you have for trivia? Uh, so uh, the director and slash co-writer Decker was an English major at UCLA because he couldn't get into the film program. Hmm. Uh, I mean, that's a good hand. It's like Christopher Nolan was an English major. So, you know, 
script writing, I guess. Uh, his first movie was Night of the Crips, Night of the Creeps, and this is his second film. Yes, sir. Uh, they presented the project. <clears throat> pardon me. They presented the project Universal at first, but they passed, so the monsters had to have their looks modified. Interesting. Um, Peter. Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 27 when he directed this movie. Wait, oh, you mean the director? Yeah. Or is that Fred? Fred. Sorry about that. Fred was 27 when he directed this film. At one point, the costume designer, who they said was a little bit of a jerk, actually, or not, no, the costume designer glued Frank's mouth shut, the Frankenstein monster's mouth shut. As a, I don't know, as a gag or something like that. Hmm. Um, this was most of the effects. No, all the effects were non-digital and handmade. Mm-hmm. Tom, who was one of the costume designers, also played Gilman in the film. Nice. Um, oh, our guy, Jason Hervey, who was Fred Savage's, the Fred Savage from Wonder Years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was his brother, his older brother. Kind of still playing that kind of like bullyish older brother in a way. In the Wonder Years. Wonder Years, man. Yeah, I used to watch the show all the time. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Uh, so one of the guys on set was actually knocked out and had blood squirting out of his forehead. He was playing one of the officers. Damn. And during the fight with Gilman, he got nailed in the head and the, he had rivets um, in his hat that was just holding the badge on it uh, and when he hit the ground he went unconscious so then when they took the hat off him like those two rivets had gone into his forehead and then blood was like squirting out of his that's forehead that's disgusting yeah uh, they had some issues with the blocking of the iconic treehouse. they had issues with that at first trying to get around with the cameras in there mm. Liam Neeson was originally cast as Dracula that would have been interesting yeah that's all I have for trivia. I got just a couple more. Uh, Tom, who played Dracula, and excuse me, Tom, who played Frankenstein, and Duncan, who played Dracula, both stayed in character while they were on set. Wow! So the kids, they never like even even Rudy said when he was he, there was a, they were shooting a scene, he was just sitting there with Tom, and he's like, okay, you know, so you know, how are you doing? Yada yada, and the whole time Tom stayed. State is Frankenstein. I like it. And he was like, I, look, man, I get it. I get your, you know, you're being method. He goes, come on, man. But nope, he didn't break. Didn't break. I like that. Some some actors need that. You know what I mean? Stay in that zone. You yeah. Know? They felt it helped keep the kids kind of on edge. I think it did. Um, I may have mentioned this earlier, but there's a documentary called Wolfman's Got Nards. It's a 2018 documentary that, uh, that spawned based on the resurgence of the collect that, that spawned the resurgence in monster squads popularity and the, the release of the collector's edition. Okay. Yeah. That's all I got for trivia. Now it's time for filmmaker tips. What you got? Sometimes method acting is the way to go. Yeah. You just touched on that with both Dracula and Frank. I like, um, Peter, who was the executive producer, um, mentioned to them, like, hey, do all your master shots first, and then you do your coverage afterwards. I also heard John Singleton talk about this, especially, like, when you are you have a budget, 
and you just want to make sure that you have the scene covered, you start with the master shot. And it's like a classic way of doing things. Uh, nowadays, I guess it's kind of up to the director how they want to do things. Or if you know the shot that you want and you know that you're not going to use a master shot, then, I mean, why? Just be efficient. But uh, it's a good way to kind of cover yourself. And you can kind of tell. Uh, no, you can tell in this film that it was helpful because they shot anamorphically. Sometimes you can see, like, with anamorphic, you can't get too close to people because sometimes it's out of focus. Then on the edges, they're out. Usually, it's out of a little bit blurry. Um, it's just the style of anamorphic lenses. But I'm. It, it's a. It's a beautiful shot, and I do like the master shots actually in this, and it kind of gives them more leeway from from a directing standpoint. Nice, nice. So you can hire actors who can't read, but. You know, you have to have them memorize their lines. So Phoebe, when she played the role, she wasn't able to read yet. And so her mom would work with her to help her memorize the lines. Good for them. Because she, I mean, she had, she was bringing the charisma on this one. She was. The the scene that, that, that kind of endears you to her early on is when, when Horace, you know, calls her Phoebe the Phoebe or something like that. Mm. And then she gives a real sad face. <laughs> like, it's like, oh. This little kid, like that, that, that instantly kind of ingratiates you to her. Like, mm-hmm. okay, she's a little, she's being a little kid. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's all I have for maker tips. I didn't get too many. Uh, just, I got two more. So this is in relation to once again Peter Hyams, the the executive um, producer. Um, if you are an executive producer and you hire a director, then then you know let them direct. Yeah. Uh, even though. I am had had a lot of experience and Decker looked up to him as a mentor and they, they still had a good relationship going forward. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the DP, you yeah, know, he made mention of that in the commentary and pardon me again, a good DP will offer complimentary shots, which I, I mentioned earlier in, in the scene with the, the old German guy when the kids are in his house eating pie yeah. where they have one pushing shot on him and they do reverse one pushing in on the kids. Yeah. This is a beautiful film. And then that scene is actually kind of funny when he says, y'all want pie? And then the fat kids are smiling. Like, uh, all right. Playing up the trope. Yes. Uh, overall, good film. It, it was entertaining. Uh, looks good. Um, holds up. I purchased it, so I'm definitely going to be playing this back, uh, especially to get some tips from just how they were doing some of their blocking, especially on a limited budget. Uh, but, yeah, overall, good. Yes, sir. This is a, a cult classic Monster Squad. If you haven't seen it before, I don't know if you'd listen to this episode, but it's a it's a, it's a fun one. It's yeah. a fun one. Again, it holds up pretty well. Aside from some of the again, there's some of the language that that's dated. That's that's from the 80s. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, that that's being real to the to the time and how kids talk. Then I heard kids. Oh man, saying, kids are still rough. Um, <laughs> uh, the director. Um, Especially talking about the F word in regards to someone's sexuality, um, that's that was dropped a lot in the eighties. Those, I mean, you yes. see kids talking to each other, you, yeah, they were just dropping the left and right. But the director, this uh, timestamps this when they recorded it was two thousand seven when they recorded this audio. He actually says the word, and so it's like you know, it's like hey, that's how they that's how they would talk. You know, sometimes people are too, you know, as things get more politically correct, don't go back and try to change certain things. I mean, things are. They are what they are. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that really that's that's how it was in in the eighties. That uh, sensitivity was was not there, um, but you know, times times have changed. But yeah, it, it is a that, that's one of the few things that dates the film. But it, it is reality. So going in, just so you know, mm-hmm. uh, what are we watching next time? Next time, we're gonna take you to the hood. Oh. 
with some tales from the hood. Okay. This is 90s. Yes, sir. It's been a while since I've seen Tales from the Hood. No, it sounds bad, but, but it's, it's all, all good. good. <laughs> yes, sir. Domino. Yes. Where is that, brother? I don't know. <laughs> the Ghetto Jam. Um, And you can catch us where? Facebook.com. Oh, actually, you know what? what? There's one thing that we did mention. Uh-oh. This episode of Filmmaker Commentary has been brought to you by Natural Hair the Movie by Ground of Matter Films. Available to stream on all black TV and now for free on Tubi. Please check it out and leave a review. Speaking of that, you can find us on Facebook.com forward slash Filmmaker Commentary. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and on Spotify. He is on Twitter at Reggie Titus. I am on Twitter at KCGSmith32. We are also on the gram at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. And I'm at KCGSmith32. Until next time, peace. Respect. Respect.